So I made a fatal mistake this morning. Need to lead off with that. I didn't wear black, which means my body does this thing where my shirt changes colors as I preach. And so I just wanted you to be aware that I'm fully aware that that's happening, okay? And seeing as it's Bethany, you could just consider that I'm picking up where Greg Hubbard left off, okay? So I just needed to get that out of the way so that you're not like, what is going on with this guy? I am very aware of what is happening over the next 40 minutes, all right? Now that that's out of the way, let's jump into today's message. Uh, we're going to be talking about the rich young ruler, and to talk about him, I saw, this, I saw this quote on Twitter the other week. It said, smart people learn from their experiences, smarter people learn from others' experiences. And so this morning, I want us to be smarter people. I want us to learn from the experience that the rich young ruler had when he encountered Jesus. And in his encounter with Jesus, in his encounter with grace, yes, there's so much we learn about Jesus, but if we're willing to be humble, there's a lot we can learn about ourselves as well. And so this morning, let's be smarter people as we read from Mark 10, verses 17 through 22. It says this, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. When we encounter grace, when we encounter Jesus, there's a three-step pathway that it happens in. And the first level is perception. Can you say perception? perception. Second level is reception. And the third level is reaction. So perception, reception, reaction. That's the pathway we're going to take through this story of the rich young ruler. And this morning, I don't have any slides for you. What we're going to do is as we work our way through the story, the corresponding scripture will be up on the screen behind me so that it could guide our conversation through. But let's start with a first impression, right? Have you ever met someone who made a good first impression, right? And so here comes the rich young ruler. He's got this question that he needs answered. And he comes running to Jesus. He's running. Now, the thing about running back then is that running was considered undignified. And the reason for that was to be able to run meant that you had to pick up your robes. And if you picked up your robes to run, it showed the fact that you consistently skipped leg day. Right? And so you... Showing your legs back then was, was just, you don't, you don't do that. No one wants to see that. Please don't lift up your robes, right? And so the rich young ruler, he picks up his robe and he runs to Jesus. Now, that was considered like generally taboo, but especially for a man who's called rich young ruler, it was really considered undignified for him to do that. And so he picks up his robes, he runs to Jesus and then he gets to Jesus, and what does he do? He bows to ask a question. You guys know the cliche, right? Actions speak louder than words. 
right? And so here he is. He's run to Jesus, and now he's bowing. And it's like, wow, this person really wants an answer, right? Like this question is burning them up so badly. He's running, and now he's bowing. But the rich young ruler shows us a life lesson that I know we've all experienced. He looked good until he opened his mouth, (laughs) right? Ever known someone like that, right? (laughs) Everything was going great, and then he spoke, right? And so why do I say that? I say that because when he spoke, we see something about the rich young ruler's perception. Because when he speaks, he says this, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Those first two words give away a limited perception from this rich young ruler. Because when you say good teacher, he's using a greeting that could be used for any other rabbi. Any other teacher of the law would be greeted as good teacher. So what does that mean? He doesn't really know who he's talking to. He knows that Jesus is a teacher. Is Jesus a good teacher? Yes, he is, but Jesus is also far more than that. So he says, good teacher, and he shows this limited perception. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And I love Jesus, because Jesus does the Jesus thing. He gets asked a question, and God, being God, goes, let me answer your question with a question. (laughs) Right? Isn't that annoying? Right? Like, just give me the answer. Right? So (laughs) here's a question And Jesus goes, this is one of those moments where I'm like, I hope there's a DVR in heaven, because I just want to hear how Jesus answered him, because I really want to hear the tone of voice, right? Because, forgive me, this is a little creative license here, but I can just hear Jesus kind of like tongue-in-cheek, just looking at him like, why do you call me good? (laughs) Only God is good. God, there's no one except God who is good. And so he answers this question with a question, right? You called me good teacher. Why do you call me good? Only God is good. And then Jesus continues with the law. So he asks a question, and he then gives the law. Now, here's something unique about this story. It could be unique about interactions. Uh, It could be true about interactions in general, but it's very true of this interaction, that if you just read this encounter straight through without continually going back, and understanding what was said, you miss the depth of what's going on. And what happens in this encounter is that for every bit of dialogue that we get, it makes the preceding bit of dialogue that much deeper. So God, Jesus, right? You guys all know Jesus is God, right? Jesus was fully God, fully man. And God being God is all knowing So if God is asking you a question, are you with me? (laughs) It's not that he don't know the answer. It's that you don't know what you don't know. And so he's like, hey, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And then he gives the law. And it's this next response where this encounter really starts to show the depth of understanding both ourselves and our human nature and God and just how incredible God is because he showed a limited perception. And Jesus encountering this limited perception knows this. Limited perception means limited reception. 
You are not going to receive everything Jesus has for you if you have a limited perception of who Jesus is. And so Jesus wants to challenge that perception. He wants to increase that perception because with full perception comes full reception. And so Jesus steps in to challenge the rich young ruler's perception. Why do you call me good? Only God is good. And then he answers with the law. And this is what the rich young ruler says in response. Teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. When it comes to encountering grace, when it comes to encountering Jesus, honesty is what keeps the encounter going. But the rich young ruler shows deception at a level where Jesus is going to have to set things up for the rest of this encounter. But let's understand, first of all, just how heartbreaking the rich young ruler's response is. How did he greet Jesus at the beginning of this encounter? Two words, good teacher. And Jesus asks the question, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And then he answers with the law, and how does the rich young ruler respond? Teacher. No longer good teacher, teacher. So he started with a limited perception of who Jesus was, and now, instead of responding to the challenge to increase his perception of Jesus, he's gone the other way. He's limited his perception even further, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt here, because I am picking on him, right? Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that he agrees with Jesus that only God is good. That only goes to further show he doesn't know who he's talking to, because Jesus is good. And Jesus is God. And Jesus is a good teacher. But he's also far more than that. And so Jesus challenges his perception. And the rich young ruler's response is to limit his perception of Jesus even further. Jesus presented God's goodness to wrestle with. And the rich young ruler avoided it entirely. He limited his perception of Jesus even further. And this is the first heartbreaking reality of that. When you fail to see Jesus as good, you will fail to see Jesus as God. When you fail to see Jesus as good, you will fail to see Jesus as God. But now it gets even more heartbreaking. Teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. Remember what I said? Honesty is what keeps the encounter going. And now here's a rich young ruler. He, he's seeking eternal life. Think about it. He is seeking eternal life, and he's talking to Jesus. Like, you couldn't find the most perfect person to answer that question other than Jesus. And here he is, but he doesn't realize who he's talking to. I saw this story on Facebook the other day. This girl was at a coffee shop, and she's standing in line, and she looks at this guy behind her, and she goes, oh, my gosh, like, you look just like Jeff Goldblum, right? Independence Day, Jurassic Park, right? You look just like him. The guy goes, oh, who, who's that? So she pulls out her phone, she pulls up a picture, and she's like, yeah, you look just like him. And the guy goes, wow, like he's a really handsome guy. Thank you for the compliment, right? So the girl puts her phone away, gets her coffee, walks away, she meets her friend, and her friend goes, do you realize you just talked to Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> right? 
She has this interaction. She's talking to Jeff Goldblum, but she doesn't realize who she's talking to. The rich young ruler is doing the same exact thing. He is looking for eternal life, and he comes to Jesus, and he doesn't realize who he's talking to. And when Jesus challenges his perception, he instead limits his perception even further. And again, limited perception means limited reception. Teacher, I've kept all of these from my youth. Now, let's stick with this teacher thing, right? So imagine you have a question that you're trying to get answered. And you have tried all of these different things to answer that question. And you go to a teacher, expert, whatever, and you ask them this question. And the teacher answers with everything you already know about the problem. Would you consider the problem solved? No, right? It's kind of like, yeah, I know that, I got that. But understand, there's a cognitive dissonance happening here with the rich young ruler. Because here he is, he's seeking eternal life, and he comes to the right person to ask about it. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answers with the question, and then he answers with the law. And this rich young ruler says, I've kept them all from my youth. If you know the answer, and yet you still know you don't have eternal life, there's a cognitive dissonance there that's happening. There's a disconnect. Why are you still searching for eternal life if you've done everything that Jesus has said to do? But what's the reality? Was that the real answer? No, Jesus, you see, to challenge the perception of the rich young ruler, he stepped into the rich young ruler's blind spot. How many of you ever changed lanes on the highway and almost, you know, had a heart attack two seconds later, right? <laughs> you're merging, you think everything's fine, and then all of a sudden, ah, and you're like, oh my gosh, and they tell you all sorts of nice things, right? Um, right, when someone, when someone, something is in your blind spot, Right? Like we all have blind spots in life. And this rich rich young ruler is showing an immense blind spot that Jesus is stepping into. And he's saying, I'm stepping into this because I want you to see what you're missing. There's this blind spot that you have. You think that you've kept the law and yet you're still searching for eternal life. That means you're doing something wrong. Because if you think you've done everything that you should do, which means you have eternal life, and yet you know that you don't have eternal life, there's a disconnect. And we need to address that disconnect. And look at the law that Jesus answers with. Look at the first two especially. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Elsewhere in Scripture, we read that if someone says in their heart, I I, I hate you to another brother that they're guilty of murder. It's looked at the same as murder. Elsewhere in scripture, we see that if a man looks lustfully after a woman, he sinned, the law is broken. And so Jesus is trying to expose the flaw of the law because he's realized the first thing already, that the rich young ruler has failed to see Jesus as good, which means he fails to see Jesus as God, but he's also doing this, he's exposing the flaw of the law because the law was never meant to show you how good you are. The law was meant to show you how far short you fall. And the rich young ruler instead, listen, 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 listen. When you lose sight of the only objective standard of good in God, That means you are going to have an inflated perception of yourself. 
because you have lost sight of the only thing that determines good. Are you with me? Only God is good, and God is the arbiter and the standard of good. And when you fail to see Jesus as good, you fail to see Jesus as God, but you also do this. Because you fail to see Jesus as good, you develop a pride that says, I'm good. And that's what's the most heartbreaking about the fact that Jesus said, God alone is good. And the rich young ruler says, no, I've kept all of these laws since I was a youth. Jesus, I'm good too. That's what he really said. Jesus, I'm good too. And I've got a newsflash for you. If you don't know Jesus, Jesus is the only one that makes you good. There is no action apart from Jesus and knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior that makes you you good. There was a flaw of the law that Jesus was trying to expose by standing in the blind spot and saying, no, rich young ruler, the law doesn't show you how good you are. It shows you how far you fall short. He stood in the blind spot and he's doing everything he can to challenge the rich young ruler's perception and the rich young ruler is missing it. But There is one question I want to ask Jesus. I want to ask Jesus, for all the laws that you mentioned to the rich young ruler, there's one glaringly obvious law that Jesus didn't cite. You shall have no other God before me. I want to know, why didn't Jesus cite that one? Why? I mean, like, Talk about throwing it in the rich young ruler's face. I think the rich young ruler, uh, I think Jesus, you know, uh, he was trying to communicate like, you've replaced the throne that should only have me with something else. And it's very possible that even if Jesus had said, you shall have no other God before me, it's incredibly possible that the rich young ruler wouldn't have even recognized it then that I have replaced Jesus with what I can acquire on my own, with an identity that I can build for myself. And it's just such a, it's such a heartbreaking reality to have that here's this rich young ruler. He limits his perception of Jesus further. He looks at Jesus and he essentially says, I'm good too. And so Jesus realizes if this rich young ruler is going to have any chance of receiving what I have to say to him, I have to take the next step. I have to challenge this rich young ruler in a way that he hasn't been challenged yet. But church, I want you to hear me. Before Jesus speaks next, Scripture tells us this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Before Jesus said a word, Before Jesus dropped the truth that was coming, Scripture tells us Jesus looked at him and loved him. And it's at this point that I want to remind you something about Jesus that always blows me away. John 1.17 is my favorite verse in Scripture. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Why do I say that? Jesus was the word become flesh. Jesus was deity wrapped in dust who came and walked among us. But not only that, Jesus was the embodiment of grace 
and truth. And there's a tension of grace and truth that we need to realize. It's both of them together. And that grace and truth, it only flows from God's love. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he's going to offer grace and truth. And grace can transform you. The truth might hurt a little bit, but the reality is this. For all the truth that we might have to confront about ourselves, grace speaks a better word than any truth we might ever have to face about ourselves. Grace and truth. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Grace without truth isn't helpful. Truth without grace isn't caring. And I say that because before I go on with the rest of this message, which is very much a salvation message, I want to speak to the believers in the house today. Because if we don't have an appropriate balance of grace and truth, of this tension between the two, I know we've all heard this phrase. I'm just going to tell it like it is. That's my job. I'm just going to tell the truth. Right? And, and we, we wrap ourselves in this smug self-righteousness. I'm, I'm going to bring the truth to the situation. And we bring no grace and we bring no love. And believer, Christian, hear me. When you talk to someone who doesn't know God with no tension or balance of grace and truth, you are the stumbling block to God's goodness. And when you fail to see Jesus as good, you fail to see Jesus as God. As believers, we need to speak with grace and truth that flows from God's love. How can we be unloving to those who don't know him when we say we know the greatest love in all the world? We should never be guilty of that. We should never be the one who wraps ourselves up. I'm just going to say it like it is and they need to deal with it if the truth hurts. It does, but I'm so glad that there's a God who loves me and who has grace for me and that the very worst of me, God's grace says, I got that covered. So how dare we as believers treat those who don't know Jesus without love, grace, and truth in balance, in tension, to be able to speak to the reality of where they are, but also to speak to the reality of the riches of God's grace and love that are available. I thought there'd be a louder amen for that one, but it's okay. We'll, we'll move on. And so grace and truth. And this is where Jesus has to step in, and now he has to challenge the rich young ruler's very limited perception much more directly. And I want you to notice something. Rich young ruler, he's got all the riches, he's got all the power. Notice how Jesus starts his interaction this time. One thing you lack. One thing you lack. I think that's a good way to get a rich person's attention. <laughs> hey, for all you have, you're missing one thing. All that power you have, all those riches you have, you're missing one thing. One thing you lack. Go, sell all you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Jesus has now decided, I'm going to challenge your identity. 
Because the identity that this rich young ruler, right? There's no name in scripture for this rich young ruler. We literally know him as rich young ruler, right? That speaks to his identity, right? Rich young ruler. But look what Jesus says. Go sell all you have and give to the poor. Are you rich after that? No. (laughs) It's all gone. Notice that Jesus speaks the rich young ruler's language. Go sell all you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Right? So for someone who's built this identity around riches, Jesus is like, I've I've got treasure for you. You'll have treasure in heaven. But if you're not aware of this, you'll miss it. When Jesus says, come follow me, he's attacking the rich young ruler's identity on the ruler's side of the equation. Because back then, when a teacher said, come follow me, what he was saying is, I need you to relinquish all authority, and I need you to submit to my authority. But not only are you submitting to my authority, now you are completely dependent on the teacher to provide for you. Can you imagine having enough money to just not have to worry about spending ever? that you could just get whatever you wanted, no thinking twice about it, and now you're being told, give it all away, and now I need you to depend on me to give you enough. He's attacked the rich young ruler's identity. Why? Because Jesus knows that the grace that he has to offer, it's not just about treasure in heaven, it's that grace radically transforms your identity. He has an identity for you, that he wants to give you. But without full perception of who Jesus is, there is no full reception of what Jesus has for you. Go sell all you have, give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But you need to understand something here. Jesus, in a very humble way, has disclosed something about himself here that if the rich young ruler had been paying attention, he would have realized something. Because how is it that Jesus can assure the rich young ruler treasure in heaven if not for the fact that Jesus is the gatekeeper of heaven? If not for the fact that Jesus is the one who's building the house and has the keys to the house, right? Could you imagine if I invite you over for dinner and I give you the address and you show up and there I am, I'm grilling, and, you know, the table's set. I bring you in, we sit down, and Pastor Stephen goes, what are you doing in my house? <laughs> right? What's, what's, what's happening here, right? Like, I don't have permission to that house, right? I can't invite you over for dinner to that house. I'm only using this example because he's not here, just for the record. So, right, I, I can't invite you to that house because I don't have the keys to that house. But Jesus says, I've got treasure for you in heaven. Why? Jesus is saying, I've got the keys to the house for the eternal life that you're looking for. Heaven is the only place where eter- you can have the eternal life that you're looking for. Now, let's be real for a second. We have eternal life regardless. Our choice in Jesus just determines where that eternal life is kept. And Jesus is saying, you'll have treasures in heaven. How does Jesus know that? It's because he's the gatekeeper of heaven. He is answering the rich young ruler's question, but the rich young ruler is missing it. Because the rich young ruler has to answer the question that we all have to answer. 
now or later? Do you want the riches and authority now that you can get on your own? Or do you want what I can give you for all of eternity later? Because listen, what's the reality of eternal life with Jesus in heaven? Not only are we going to have treasure in heaven, but we reign in victory forever. Riches and power because of what Christ did for us. He was speaking the rich young ruler's language. He stood in the blind spot and he screamed to challenge the rich young ruler's perception of him. But for all that Jesus did to increase the rich young ruler's perception of him, he missed what Jesus was offering. That Jesus had far more than riches and authority on this earth. He is the one who all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And we can spend eternal life with him if we would just choose Jesus. And for all that Jesus looks to offer in treasure and in heaven, in reality, the question that Jesus is asking the rich young ruler is this, am I enough? And that's the question we all have to face. Am I enough? If I have nothing else but Jesus, is that enough for me? Is that enough? And that's what he does to this rich young ruler. But the rich young ruler cannot fully receive what Jesus has for him because he has not fully perceived who Jesus is. And what Jesus has to offer is incredible. In fact, it reminds me of this little girl named Jordan. Four years old, she gets her first piece of jewelry from her dad. It's a fake pearl necklace, but it's the first piece of jewelry from her dad. And she loves it. She sets up a little place for it on her nightstand. She wears it all the time. She doesn't care that her neck is green. She is happy that she has her necklace. And it's one of those necklaces you could just add a few more fake pearls on, right, to keep getting bigger and bigger. And so she wears it. She loves it. It's got a spot and everything. But then comes her 10th birthday. Amazing party. All her friends and family are over. Has a great day. The day ends. And dad comes in to do bedtime routine with Jordan. And Jordan's just, dad, wow. I love you so much. Thank you for such an amazing day. Thank you. Thank you for how you love me. Dad, today was great. So dad looks at Jordan. Jordan, do you love me? Jordan's like, yeah. Like, I I just said that. Dad, I love you. Okay, give me your necklace. And Jordan's like, instantly. No. (laughs) There's no wrestling with it. There's no, "Mm, let me think about this. Jordan looks at her dad and just says, no, dad, I'm not giving you my necklace. So dad says, okay. They pray. She goes to bed. Next night, bedtime routine. Jordan, do you love me? And Jordan knows what's coming. Yes, dad, I love you. No, I won't give it to you. (laughs) Right? And dad kind of smiles. Okay. Every night that week, the same story unfolds. Jordan, do you love me? I love you, but I'm not giving you my necklace, Dad. And so after that first week, Dad stops. A couple months go by. 
Dad walks into the bedroom, and Jordan's sitting on her bed cross-legged, and there's, there's just that little silent tear tracing down her cheek. And Dad is heartbroken to see his daughter crying. And so he approaches the bed, and he gets down on her level. Jordan, Jordan, what's wrong? Jordan, what's going on? And Jordan's lips are trembling. The tears are, are starting to flow, and she holds out her hand. And she barely whispers, Dad, I do love you. And she opens her hand, and the necklace falls out of her hand. The dad smiles, stands up, and out of his back pocket, he pulls out a box containing a real pearl necklace that he had the whole time. But he was just waiting for his daughter to let go of what didn't have value so that he could give her what actually had value. The whole time. And that's what God has for us. He has an identity. He has this grace that is just radically powerful and radically transforming. But can I tell you something? Can I tell you how silly we look when we choose an identity based on ourselves? Here's my life. Here's everything that I've built and I've done on my own. Look at me. Look at how great my life is. I mean, who else has an empty Ziploc bag with crumbs to show for their life? This is me, without Jesus. Listen, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, if they don't know God at the end, this is what their life has amounted to. Only God gives you value. Only God gives you something that lasts. But without God, this is what we look like. We look like someone who says, this, this is what my life has amounted to. Look at me. And guess what? When you die, this is forgotten. It's just collected with every other trash bag, and it's taken to where the trash goes. And that's how silly we look. But the whole time, the Father has something he wants to give us but we will not receive until we perceive correctly. We will not have full reception until we have full perception of who God is. And what God has to give us is amazing grace. It is this amazing grace that, listen, it doesn't just give us stuff. <laughs> it's not just about treasure in heaven and, 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 and reigning victoriously with Jesus forevermore. What Jesus has to give us is an amazing grace that transforms our identity. That says, without me, you're going to be eternally separated from me. Without me, you're dead. Without me, you have eternal life completely separate and taken away from me. But here's why amazing grace is so amazing. Because you see, amazing grace tells us not only who we are, but whose we are. And only an identity that is kept in Christ can never be taken from me. Because what does John 10.10 10 tell me? The thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if you're silly enough to build your life on whatever you can attain and whatever you can do. Your identity crisis is triggered as easily as what you've built your identity around being taken away. 
Oh, look at my bank account. Oh, look at all the toys I have. All it takes is for that to be robbed. All it takes is for you to lose your power and your identity is gone. But in Jesus, we have an identity that cannot be taken away and an identity that says not only this is who you are, but now you know whose you are. And so as we head into the close, I just want you to listen to the first verse of Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I love that the writer of the song used that word wretch. (laughs) Because... The writer of that song shows he's wrestled with God's goodness and God's grace. Because now that grace has transformed him, he can accept the very worst of himself. Because God said, even in your worst, I can meet you there. And my grace can radically transform you from death to life. Call me all that you want. Grace calls me by a better name. His blood speaks a better word over you than anyone else ever can. Let them call you names. Let them remind you of who you used to be before Jesus. That means nothing in the end because Jesus says, this one is mine. My blood speaks a better word over them. Yes, you may have been a wretch before Jesus, but after Jesus, you're saved, you're redeemed, you're restored, and you are set as a child of God to endure treasures in heaven and reigning victoriously with him. But do you have full perception of who Jesus is? Because without that full perception of Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're never going to have full reception of what he has for you. And so before I ask a couple questions, we're going to listen to verse 3 of Amazing Grace to be reminded of what God has to offer us. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope, secures. He like Jesus essentially asked the rich young ruler the same question is asked of all of us this morning if Jesus was all you had would Jesus be enough 
Jesus asks, am I enough? And I want you to know that he is. He is absolutely enough. And so I want to ask you to close your eyes because I have just one question I want to ask. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if this morning you walked in and you can, you can admit that through this message the Holy Spirit has been working on you and has been showing you, hey, you have a limited perception of who I am. And the Holy Spirit has started doing a work in you to say, where there's a limited perception, I want to increase that perception so you can have a full perception of who I am, so then you can have full reception of everything I have for you. I know it sounds vague, but what I'm really asking is just, who here didn't see Jesus as Lord and Savior, that maybe right now they can say, I want full reception of what Jesus has for me. And I now have an increased perception and a full perception of who Jesus is. And that's what I want. I want Jesus to be enough. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? Is there anyone here who would say, Jesus hasn't been everything or hasn't been enough, but this morning I want him to be. I had a limited perception of who Jesus was and now I want full perception so that I can have full reception Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us enough to stand in our blind spots and challenge our perception. Help us, Lord, to leave here seeing you as Lord and Savior, having full perception of you, that we might have full reception of everything you have for us. Be with us now as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. If you're a guest and you're here for the first time, we would love to see you at Guest Central in our cafe. If not, thank you for being with us. And this morning, go in God's grace and his truth.